You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the third episode of AJ's Analysis. Uh, we got a good show coming up here today. We have Bruce Exclusive from Buffalo Rumblings joining me. We are going to break down the 53-man roster um, and try to get this thing figured out with training camp. You know, a little less than a month away and rosters being figured out in, in like, you know, two months around there. So, Bruce, how are you doing today? And I'm, I'm thankful that you uh, joined me. Oh, thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it. It's a good time. You know, disco balls, dancers, the whole thing. It's this weird middle ground between mini camp and training camp where you're like, what do I talk about? Let's do 53-man roster projection. Thankful to have people in the comments. Thanks, Thankful to have Chris Jenke here to see us. Always love interacting with Chris. Yeah, awesome stuff. Uh, yeah, so I think we're going to dive right into it. For people that are listening on audio, thank you. Um, I appreciate everything. Please like, subscribe. It helps a lot. Um, so going forward, obviously we're going to start with the quarterback room. Uh, it's going to be for me, the easiest one kind of to go through with just Josh Allen and Kyle, Josh Allen and Kyle Allen, kind of weird to say, uh, Josh Allen and Kyle Allen. I think those are the two guys that made this roster. I think Barkley is a cut. I don't think you're going to disagree with there probably. No, I'm not going to disagree with you. I think, uh, the law firm of Allen and Allen seems reasonable to project uh, the Buffalo Bills have not kept three quarterbacks historically. I don't see a reason why they would at this point. There's obviously no danger of Matt Barkley being scooped up as part of a waiver claim. So it seems pretty cut and dry. It's going to be Allen and Allen. Agreed. Um, now this is where, now right off the bat, running back room, this is where it gets a little tricky. Um, I had trouble trying to figure out the Naeem Hines situation, what I think of him. I know they save $1.5 against the cap if they caught him. Um there's, there's potential trade possibilities because he brings that unique skill set where he can, you know, catch out of the backfield. He can, you know, give you a couple of touches in the run game. And also he's been a really good solid return guy ever since he became a bill. Um, so th there's that kind of part that he brings into this running back room. Uh, but I don't have him making the roster. Actually, he's one of the surprise cuts that I have. Um, I know OTAs and minicamp don't, you know, don't mean much, but, reading over some articles from OTAs and people that were there. He just wasn't really doing that well. I don't know if that is just rust or whatever it is. Um, I know he only got like nine touches on offense last year. I just don't see a role. So I actually have James Cook, Damian Harris, Latavius Murray. Those are the three for me. Latavius Murray, a guy who, despite his rookie year, he's rushed for 500 yards in every season. Uh, and then Damian Harris, who is a guy that, you know, in 2021, had 929 yards, 15 touchdowns. Had a down year last year, dealt with injuries. Um, and obviously, James Cook is going to be the running back one, which is an actually interesting conversation because James Cook, the most attempts he's ever had in his college career was 113 attempts his last season at Georgia. Um, he was never really a guy that got the workload and got, you know, the attempts in the run game. He had, you know, 45, then 31, and 41 his previous three seasons in college. Uh, it's going to be an interesting dynamic because if Damian Harris, I think, can stay healthy, 
he he's been I mean he's been a guy that has gotten the carries. He's got he had over two hundred um, in twenty twenty one, over a hundred the last in twenty 2020 twenty and twenty 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 two with injuries. You know, along with that, so. I think that could be an interesting dynamic. I think James Cook does get the, the job, but if Damian Harris can stay healthy and be consistent, um, you know, Ramondre Stevenson's a great back. He kind of just elevated his game and took over that backfield. I really do think Damian Harris on a $1.7 million deal, he can be kind of a, a guy that can take some carries away from Cook and potentially, you know, be one of those unsung heroes for the Bills, a guy that contributes in, you know, big games late. He, he can get the end zone. He has a nose for the end zone. Um, and he's a guy that if he can stay healthy again, he's, he's really good. And he's a guy that could eventually he's playing for another contract. He's got his, you know, one year, $1.7 million deal. If he has a good year at the bills on a contender and he's in the spotlight a lot, you know, you could see him get more money elsewhere next off season. The last time I did the running back room, I had four, I had cook Hines, Harris and Gilliam. This time I'm going to have five cook Harris, Hines, Gilliam and Murray. And the reason is I don't think they view Hines as a running back any more than they viewed Taiwan Jones as a running back. I think that if they did, they can talk all they want about implementing him into the offense, but I don't really think, I think it's like trying to implement Andre Roberts into the offense. I think hmm. Naheem Hines at this point is viewed by this regime as being primarily a return guy. And so in much the same way that you had someone like Jake Kumaro is listed as a wide receiver, but he's not a wide receiver. You have Tyler Matakavich listed as a linebacker, not a linebacker. So we, yeah. we get a little bit boxed in when we're trying to do these 53-man roster projections, and I do this all the time. I go, well, they've historically kept X amount of these, but every year there are people that are in the position room that aren't actually accounted for in the position room as it relates to scrimmage touches. And so if I view... Hines in that way, then I'll, all of a sudden I, you know, have the opening to be able to keep five running backs. If you have someone who wants to, you know, run downhill a little bit more, right? You have Dorsey and you say, Hey, we're going to do a little bit more 12 personnel. If you are going to run more 12 personnel, the trickle effect of that is you're probably going to do a little more downhill running. That's kind of those two things kind of go hand in hand. A lot of people who run a lot more gap schemes, have a tendency to do that. You wonder if the, all these things connect with each other, the 12 personnel, the gap schemes, Osiris Torrance. You wonder if all these things are connected as far as what they want to do on offense a little bit differently. And that has a tendency to lend itself more toward keeping more running backs. Now I don't anticipate they'll all be active on game day, but I do feel strongly that there's a possibility for something we haven't seen before because we're viewing Hines as being a running back when in reality we should just view him as being a returner. Right. Uh, I'm, you know, that's what, that's the role he would play if he made, you know, my roster. I, I, it's an interesting conversation because I wonder when they gave up that fifth round pick, you know, we can't go back. I mean, we don't really truly know, but was the, was the plan to actually get him to be the cast pass catching back? Because I just feel like the bills have had such a problem. James Cook was supposed to be a pass catcher. Um, and, you know, maybe he he still can be that, but I feel like they've had a problem with using utilizing the running backs in the past game. And I feel like maybe they did have a different plan for Hines, and I don't know if that just never came to fruition or he wasn't learning the playbook. Um, I mean, Kadarius Tony went to Kansas City and learned the playbook. I don't know. It's interesting. People, you know, players say Dorsey's offense is one of the most difficult to learn. Be, you know, Cole Beasley said that multiple times about, you know, Dable and Dorsey's offense that is very hard to understand. So, I mean, maybe that's part of it, but – 
It's interesting because I don't know what Hines's role, what they had in plan for Hines when he was traded to Buffalo. Yeah, you almost think if he just became Andre Roberts, right? If he's just the return man, is Zach Moths and a six, is that still reasonable return? I think the answer is kind of yes, because I wasn't comfortable with the ball handling skills of Isaiah McKenzie. I think we took Andre Roberts for granted while he was here as being a secure return guy who was going to be a good return guy. And then all of a sudden he left and we're like, oh, no, thank you. I would like to not hold my breath while the ball is being fielded now, please. I would like to not have a mini stroke every single time the punt goes in the air. And so I mentioned it when it happened, but I think if all you got out of that trade was two years of Naheem Hines as a good return man, I'm fine with that. I am fine with Moss and a sixth for that return. Would I like more? Yes. Do I think he's capable of more? Yes. But now that you have Cook, now that you signed Harris, now that you signed Murray, I don't think you're going to get that more. I just don't think you've got enough touches. So you have to fall back on the floor, and the floor is you have a good return man. Yeah, agreed. Um, so let's move to this wide receiver room, who I think there, there's a guy in this wide receiver room that I think could be a return man. I don't know if he's going to be. I don't know if that will happen. I mean, they've also used like Micah Hyde in the past when it's, you know, when he's catching at the 10 yard line for a hands, you know, kind of punt return team. But uh, we'll go, we'll start with the receivers. You can start with this one. Uh, who do you got making the roster from the receiver room? Probably the, the most, and I would say the most complex and interesting group the Bills have had to this point, um, in, in terms of my opinion. I've got six. I've got Diggs, Davis, Shakir, Hardy, Sherfield, and Shorter. Um, I have Shorter making it specifically for special teams, right? And he, he might not even be active on game day. You might activate five on game day. Sherfield becomes essentially your gunner and your wide receiver of three, four, right? Shakir, Hardy, and Sherfield kind of platoon that wide receiver three role i do think that there's less emphasis on carrying seven which we talked about a lot when this was a primarily 11 offense you talked a lot about whether or not you were going to keep seven receivers and now you wonder if they're going to run more 12 due to the presence of dalton Kincaid, which does that lessen your need to keep seven so for me Diggs, davis shakir hardy Sherfield, shorter all right. For me, um, I forgot I did have Reggie Gilliam making the roster. I just had him in his in my street as a fullback, not a running back. So I, I do have Gilliam making the roster. I think they like him. Um, he's been a, a valuable piece to this team. He's he's a good player. Um, and I think they really like him. They resigned him for a reason. Uh, my receivers are the same six, Diggs, Davis, Shakir, Hardy, Fairfield, Shorter. Um, I, I agree with you. I think Shorter is more of the special teams role. I give him the nod over – you know, there could be a couple surprise guys that are on the roster now, but I give him the edge over – all those guys just because they drafted him and they, you know, they met him on the top 30. They really liked him. They've, I, I think they've done their research on a guy, you know, he was a top, he has the talent. Um, he, he was a top high school recruit, all that stuff. So I like that. And I just want to get into Deontay Hardy a little bit. I think he's a guy, I mean, they signed him to a two year, uh, nine and a half million dollar deal. Um, and, and, you know, courtesy of cover one over the last three seasons, Hardy, you know, among all receivers with 75 targets, his EPA per targets, number one, 1.18. Yards per route run is 2.47, eighth in the league. Uh, yards after catch per reception, 8.29 yards after the catch, which is first. So you see that explosion. You see him able to get upfield. And even though he's you know small and durable, he has more, I feel, more game sense than uh, Isaiah McKenzie, who they're, you know, they didn't pay as much to keep, which is why they paid Hardy more. I think he's going to do more. Um, and then yards after catch percentage, um, percentage of yards that come after the catch, 56%, which was second. So I really do think Deontay Hardy, 
although he has the durability issues and he hasn't been able to stay healthy, I really think he can make an impact, whether it's, you know, on special teams, which I think he does have a shot for, um, especially if I don't have Hines making the roster as of right now. So if, if, if that's the case, I think Hardy's kind of the lead man in that race. I, I think he's explosive. You see his yards after the catch is number one in the league amongst all receivers. I mean, that's special. Uh, you know, the Bills have not been able to get that out of their receivers, yards after the catch. I think that's a combination of receivers, um, Josh Allen, the offense in, in general. Um, I think it's all a combination. Hopefully they can get that figured out. I think Deontay Hardy is a big help with that. Um, you know, and they paid him you know, a lot of money. He can make up to $13 million with incentives. So I really like the Deontay Hardy signing if he can stay healthy and he can put it all together. And then, you know, Trent Sherfield can be that reliable, you know, wide receiver three, wide receiver four. He did it with Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell. Um, he was reliable. He was there when, you know, Tua needed him or whoever was quarterback, quarterbacking them at the time. And then Khalil Shakir, you're going to have to hope that He's the, he just keeps ascending and becomes the player that he showed sparks of last year. I mean, that's that's really what it comes down to for that wide receiver three spot. Um, between Hardy, Shakir, all those guys. I mean, obviously Kincaid, but we'll get to that in like next, you know, next uh, position group. So that's my six. I like Deontay Hardy. I like what you said about him being more game sense than Isaiah McKenzie. I think he's a better receiver right now than McKenzie was when he was here. Just side note, what is it with the Saints and undrafted, really fast guys who are just incredibly efficient in limited touches? Is no one else noticing this? I mean, you remember the old days they had Devery Henderson there for a while, and now they have Rashid Shaheed, and they were able to let go of Deontay Hardy because they had Rashid Shaheed. What is it with the Saints and, like, really impressive vertical receivers who are like hyper efficient on small amounts of targets. It's like a generational thing. You know, the Packers have hall of fame quarterbacks who sit on the bench for years. And now we have the saints with these receivers. It just seems crazy that they just keep falling into these types of players and they become expendable due to the presence of the next guy up. So Deontay Hardy was expendable due to the presence of Rashid Shahid and and there we are. Yeah, Chris Drenke, it's Traquan Smith. Yep, they just keep doing it over and over and over again. I don't, I don't understand how it happens. I know I'm dating myself with the with the Devery Henderson discussion, but <laughs> you know it is what it is. But yeah, we can move on to tight ends. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, you can start. Go ahead with that one. Um, I know. Spoiler, crazy spoiler. I'm going uh, Knox, Kincaid, Morris. Uh, I don't. I don't know that there's a whole lot to talk about here. Um, right. Now there have been surprises at the tight end room the last couple of years. Um, obviously, last year OJ Howard was a, a player that people were a little nervous about because they saw him late in the last preseason game, which was a little bit weird and they were like um what uh what's happening here with oj howard then all of a sudden he gets cut even though it really didn't save it really didn't save the bills basically anything right but that's that's not the first time the buffalo bills did that remember jacob hollister they they did two years in a row where they thought we thought someone was going to make this team as a tight end two and he just didn't and i actually kind of think that 
it's more stable this year because it was less stable the last two years. It almost like they were trying for something and they didn't make it work. And then they tried for something and they didn't make it work. Like, screw it. We're just going to draft a tight end in the first round, right? It's a little bit like nuking a spider, right? You have a spider. He's in your house. You're annoyed. So you take a flamethrower to the entire house, right? That's what the Buffalo Bills did with tight end. They were like, Jacob Hollister, nah. OJ Howard, no. Fine. You know what? Fine. First round pick. That's what it was like. So I think this is this is pretty cut and dry for me. It's it's Knox, Kincaid, and, and Morris. Yeah, I have the same three, Kincaid, Knox, and Morris. Um, I feel the same way about the tight end room. I feel like the last couple of years they've been trying to fill, you know, fill in with free agency or through the draft. You know, Tommy Sweeney was a guy that got some reps behind Austin Knox. They've never really had a guy behind Austin Knox that could be on the field and, you know, make an impact like ever since Dawson Knox has been here. They really haven't had that guy. Tyler Croft was probably the closest thing to that. Um, and he, you know, he was later in his career and he, he, I mean, he was okay, but he wasn't, you know, Dalton K level, hopefully a uh, first round pick worthy. So yeah, I like, I like the tight end room. I think Quentin Morris can be a good blocker. Um, obviously the 12 personnel is going to be way more apparent this year. Knox and Kincaid. I think that's one of the, could be one of the best tight end duos in football. Um, if Knox can be consistent and Kincaid can, you know, get, get open over the middle and get up the field like that's why they drafted him. So I think that's a good tight end room. It's probably the best tight end room this team has had um, since the McBean era. Oh, unquestionably. Yeah. I mean, the tight ends has consistently been, I mean, you look at the, the record books of Buffalo Bills tight ends. It's, it's, uh, it's not great, Bob, you know, Scott Chandler was, you know, a top three tight end in Buffalo Bills history. And that's, you know, not great. Would you put Charles Clay up there? I think you have to. I think you have to make it Pitts, Pete Metzlars, Charles Clay, and Scott Chandler, right? Yeah. I mean, unless you just really, really, really love your tight ends to block and you put Lee Smith in there, <laughs> right? Just I don't even yeah. need you to catch any passes, just yeah. be an offensive lineman. But right. the Bills' history at tight end has have historically not been very good. And so it's a low bar to clear, but I think you're right. All right, so let's go to the offensive line, the, you know, below average offensive line of last year. I think they, you know, I've, everyone said it all offseason. They upgraded it. Will it will it come to fruition on game day? Will Aaron Cromer, you know, figure it out? Will the, will the players figure it out? We'll see. But I think they really have done a good job, and Brandon Bean has done a good job of getting younger in, in the interior instead of going the, you know, they go at the Darrell Williams route or the, you know, Ty Neskeshi route or – the Roger Saffold route, I think they're kind of learning. Same kind of with the tight ends. Like, let's get guys that can get signed here and can be staples on this offensive line, get that consistency, which Aaron Cromer loves. Um, so I'm going to go with Deion Dawkins, Connor McGovern, Mitch Morris, Osiris Torrance, Spencer Brown, Ryan Bates, Ike Bodger, Brandon Schell, David Questenberry, and David Edwards. Um, I think these guys all make the roster. I, I like the unit. Um, obviously, the right, the left guard, I think Connor McGovern has that locked up. He's you know, got paid to be the starting left guard. He's, you know, 13th in pass, bro, really good pass blocker. Um, Osiris Torrance, Ryan Bates, that's going to be the competition that I'm kind of looking for. I think Spencer Brown has it. If I've said this too, if David Questenberry or Brandon Shell push Spencer Brown, that's good. But I don't think they should be taking that position. I want, you know, Dawkins, McGovern, Morse, either Tor Torrance or Bates and Brown. And then I obviously like the depth in the guard room. I think Bogger uh, and David Edwards are – solid depth options along with Bates if Torrance wins the job. And then the, the offensive tackle position is kind of shaky. I'm surprised they didn't get a Wanya Morris in the third round or, uh, you know, a guy that, that, that could they could develop behind Spencer Brown just in case, you know, he gets hurt again because that's when the excuse is he's, he's getting hurt. That's why he's not good. But 
at the same time, while he's getting hurt a lot, then that should be a cause for concern too. Can he get healthy? It's a back issue. Those are hard to overcome. Um, so it's just the offensive tackle depth right now. It's probably the most concerning thing for me on this roster, more than the wide receiver depth, more than the middle linebacker, you know, fiasco. I think McDermott, they have that figured out um, and they'll figure that out. So those are my, those are my alignment. I got nine. I got Dawkins, Morse, Brown, Bates, Torrance, McGovern, Questenberry, Edwards, and Butker. I do not have shell. Um, I went back and forth on this a bunch of times. And I think the, the positional versatility of Bates and Butker is what makes me comfortable not carrying shell. I think that if you have, if you have Torrance starting or starting reasonably early in the year over someone like Bates, Bates can be your swing tackle and your swing interior guy. If you really wanted to, you can have five position versatility and that you don't have a lot of people who can say that the bills might have three different people on their offensive line who could legitimately play not high level, but play in a pinch five different spots, Bates, Butker and broker. And I think that if broker ends up on the practice squad, which I think he probably will, I think he's your, the next man up. He's your next Butker slash Bates. If Bates starts at right guard, then I can see shell being kept instead of Ike Butker because you want to have that backup tackle in addition to having Questenberry as your backup tackle, you want to have four. So for me, a lot of who that ninth guy is hinges on whether or not Bates or Torrance is going to start. And Chris Jenke asked why I don't have any love for Tommy Doyle. No, I don't, I don't have any love for Tommy Doyle. Uh, Tommy Doyle had uh, a position as a sixth offensive lineman. And I think with the, advent of more 12 personnel you'll see less of that and i think if you see less of that you have kind of a a specialized position that you'll see less of so for me that's the reason why doyle didn't make mine um but you know you could, could keep 10 but this becomes weird every time i try and do it it becomes weird something weird has to happen every time and i consistently fall on nine offensive linemen I know that's, that's what I was like. I was going through it and I'm like trying to crunch, like get to the numbers. I'm counting the players. I'm like, well, you know, I got five spots left. Like, where can I go with this? It, it's hard. It's challenge. Um, but Lance Nelson here, the health of Mitch Morse is the most concerning thing about the O-line in my opinion. I, I would, you know, it is a concern in terms of, I think his health, his career. I That's more concerning for me. I'm kind of confident with the, the Ryan Bates, David Edwards um, kind of thing they got going on. It, it, it's not as big of a drop off as last or whatever. Um, I think that Ryan Bates, if he doesn't win the right guard battle, he brings that versatility. And, and Bruce, you made a good point. I, I think that Brandon Shell could be exposable if Spencer Brown, you know, is does a good job and right or gets hurt, and Ryan Bates doesn't win the right guard spot and fills into that right tackle spot, or you know, is second is third behind Questenberry, and Questenberry fills in and he goes down and then Bates. Um, it, he brings that much versatility. I understand um, where you're going with that. So spot on. Defense. Defense. Defensive. You want to go defensive end, defensive tackle? What do you want to do? Uh, let's go. Let's go. You can go. You can start with the defensive end. All right. So this whole thing hinges on Von Miller, whether or not he's going to the pop. Listen, I, I love you, Von. I love your optimism. Say you want to be, you're, you're a speak it into 
speak it into existence kind of guy. I am not a speak it into existence kind of guy. I do not believe in manifestation. I do not believe that if you say you're going to be ready for week one, you are actually more likely to be ready for week one. So you're going on the pup, Von Miller, and there'll be five on the active roster. Rousseau, Epinesa, Floyd, Lawson, and Basham. I do think there's a possibility that if you have uh, Von Miller and you think you'll be ready week two or week three or things like that, that you try and flip one of Basham or Epinesa. But given the fact that I, I am not a... I am not a manifestation guy. <laughs> so for me, Von Miller's going on the pup, and we're going with five. All right. I am going to go the opposite route. I'm going to say that uh, Von makes this 53-man roster uh, and doesn't end up on the pup list. I will go Von Miller, Leonard, Leonard Floyd, Greg Rousseau, Shaq Lawson, and A.J. Epinesa. Uh, I, had the, you know, I, had, I, I know I had to go through the, the Boogie Basham thing. The, the thing for me is I think Shaq Lawson is a guy that, as well as loves in the locker room. He, he can set the edge in the run game. He, he can get to the quarterback once in a while. I think he's a little more consistent. Boogie, I just haven't. And I know it's because they run this constant cycle of players and they're rotating in and out constantly all the time. And it's hard. But at the same time, I just haven't seen enough from Boogie. I think A.J. Apinesa is primed to take another lead this year. I think working behind Floyd or working with Leonard Floyd, Von Miller, uh, and Greg Rousseau, I think that will elevate him to – you know, hopefully new heights, he can get to that eight sack, nine sack. He can get, you know, his pressure rate up and stuff like that. So AJ Epinesa is going to be the deciding factor for me in this de- the DeAndre room. I- I've heard possible people saying they want to trade him. I think he was, you know, there's a narrative that's worse than it actually is. I don't think he's that bad of a player. I still want to see more from him. I want to see him get more reps, more opportunity. Um, and I just had to, I had to let go of Boogie. I just haven't seen enough from him. Um, I-, I like the versatility he could bring, but, um and and, t- and yeah, so I, I was going to give my next position group away, but let's go to the defensive uh, tackles. Uh, you can start. So defensive tackles for me, we're going to go ahead and trade Tim Settle. It's the only way you can make it work after the restructure. Cutting him doesn't do you any good, mm-hmm. but I'm going to bank on somebody throwing a day three pick yeah. for Tim Settle due to an injury, which means your four become Oliver, Ford, Phillips, and Jones. Now the Bills have kept five on their initial 53-man roster. But they've never finished a season with fifty-three with five on the 53. It doesn't seem like they ever really want to keep five on the 53. They almost do it and kind of hold and wait for things to kind of balance out. You know, oh, somebody will get injured. Something will happen. The trade-off will come around. We'll keep five, but we don't actually intend to carry five. I think they carry five in break classification of emergency situations, but they don't ever really want to keep five. So in this case, we're going to say that I think the, the we're going to say Jordan Phillips is ready to go. We're going to say that we find a home for Tim Settle and we're going to go Oliver Ford, Phillips and Jones. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, I am going the same direction. I traded Tim Settle and I have Oliver, Puna Ford, Declan Jones, 
and Jordan Phillips. I think that's that's another like position group where you're sitting here on paper. You get Puna Four from Seattle, who's had his moments, who's had good years. Um, and Oliver got his contract extension. He's you know he's got to be a more consistent player. I, I like the extension. Um, I listened to a little bit of your podcast, Bruce, about it. It's it's an interesting thing going on with the whole Ed Oliver's thing. I like him as a player. He, he obviously loves to be here and loves the fans and loves the community. And I think off the field, too, he's grown. Bean and McDermott have talked about it a lot. Like, he has grown a lot as a player, uh, as a person as well. So th- those are my four. I like Daquan Jones. He was a staple. They missed him in Cincy. You know, that's what everyone talked about. That, that injury after the game really seemed – and loomed large more than most people thought. And then Jordan Phillips, obviously the guy pumping up the crowd, the energy bunny, um, the guy that if he's healthy can put, you know, a good stretch of games together. He can be a guy that you can count on. He's done it in Buffalo before getting the contract with Arizona. It didn't work out. Um, I, I really like that defensive tackle room. And again, they've, in my eyes, they've done, I mean, Quentin Jefferson, Vernon Butler, they've, they've tried Tim Settle. They've tried so many, you know, things, hopefully, eventually it can kind of work itself out here and we can get consistency with the rotation in the interior defensive line room because I think that's one of the most important parts of this defense with the loss of Edmonds. I agree, and I'd really like to see Jordan Phillips healthy again. It feels like it's been 9 million years since we've seen a stretch with Jordan Phillips healthy, and I think what he can add to the rotation from an energy standpoint, you always really like him better coming off the bench as opposed to a starter, and you know, like you talk about with the energy and the burst. And I just, I really want to see Jordan Phillips healthy again, because I think that, you know, you can get splash plays in the passing game specifically with Jordan Phillips. And I, I'm ready for it. Right. Linebackers, man. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Sorry. Um, linebackers. You can start with this one. Six Milano Dotson, Bernard Williams, Klein, Matikavich. Again, Tyler Matikavich is not a linebacker. If you see him on the field on defense, something horrible has happened. <laughs> like like break glass in case of emergency, not a linebacker, right? Dirty red, not a linebacker. So essentially, just like with the running backs in this case, you actually have four because Hines is a special teams only player. With the wide receiver, you actually have five because Shorter is only going to be a special teams player probably. With linebacker, you really only have five because Matikiewicz is your special teams player. So the real question is, of course, who's going to start across from Matt Milano. But in the absence of knowing or even having a leaning, I think they're going to give Terrell Bernard every opportunity to take that job. I think they'll give Dorian Williams every opportunity to take that job. But it's nice to have a safety net with A.J. Klein. I I mentioned earlier in the offseason, I said, I'm I'm legitimately surprised that the Bills haven't signed A.J. Klein yet. And then, boop, here he comes, A.J. Klein. A.J. Klein is your break glass in case of emergency, right? He is your worst-case scenario as the opposite of Matt Milano in the the linebacker second level. And so it's nice to me. Listen, I, I know we're not AJ Klein fans here. Like, yeah, AJ Klein's the answer. But you know what? I really like having that safety net because AJ Klein knows the defense. He knows Sean McDermott. He knows where he's supposed to be. And he's a player where if he has to start and get you out of a game, then he can do that. He knows where he's supposed to do. You're not going to run into massive amounts of mental mistakes. You're not going to be in the wrong gap all the time. And so for me, when you're going to have a competition between a bunch of players who are young, right? Yeah. Yeah. That floor is just missing, right? The floor is like terrible. Like I don't want the floor to be terrible. I want the floor to be, eh, right? If eh is as good as, as bad as it can be, I'm okay with that. 
And that's what I can get from AJ Klein. So I'm happy to have him in the room and I'd like to keep him there as kind of a safety net. Okay. So I, <laughs> so you just went on a rant about AJ Klein. Uh, mm-hmm. I actually don't have him making the roster. I have Matt Milano, Dorian Williams, Terrell Bernard, Terrell Dotson, Balen Spector, and Tyler Medikevich. Uh I like, now we haven't seen anything from Balen Spector. I know they re-signed AJ Klein. I'm banking, you know, this kind of this linebacker group, I'm really banking on the youth. And, you know, I think Terrell Dotson has a shot to win this middle linebacker position at he's kind of my safety net. Um, You know, I think he could potentially start to start the year. He's he was like my most like I put out a tweet a couple of weeks ago, like my most confident is Dotson, uh, then Williams, then Bernard um, in terms of who I think starts at Mike. But I went Spectre, the six foot, you know, high Raz, high athlete, you know, get him on the field if you want to get to the quarterback. I know AJ Klein can do that and he's done it well. He's a downhill linebacker. He can get upfield and take the linebacker behind or running back behind the line of scrimmage and get to the quarterback. I'm just ready to to see some fresh legs and you know, no no offense to Klein. I think he like you said, I think he can be that safety net. He does understand. I would not be surprised if he made the roster. But for my projection, I just went with Spectre, the young guy that they drafted. Um, and, you know, get him some reps and see what he can do and see what he can do in training camp. Uh, I want to see some some growth. Terrell Bernard, I, this is a big step for all these guys, uh, Dorian Williams, uh, all these guys. They're all going to be very important. And I think getting them on their game day roster or even, you know, getting them on, on the roster, they might not all be active. But I, I like the linebacker room. It's going to be interesting. I mean, I have no idea who's going to start every, every day more and more. It's like, I'm playing the game. I really think Dorian Williams can do it. He can process things, you know, pre-snap pretty well. He has got, he's got the reach. He's going to have to understand how to shed blocks better and fill gaps better. Um, But like pre-snap and stuff like that, he's, he's got that figured out. But I also struggle with, well, Sean McDermott plays rookies this way. And so like, that's kind of the dynamic. Like I really think, that Dorian Williams eventually will be the starter. I just don't know if it'll be week one because I don't know if McDermott will and the, and the staff will see enough from him. But I mean, they did start Christian Benford over Kyrie Elam last year. So anything can really happen, but I'm banking on either Dotson or Williams to start and Mike. Nothing wrong with uh, start steering to youth. I think you may be just a little bit more confident in the youth than I am. <laughs> I get right. scared. I'm right. like, give me, give me something stable. I know. Give me an old guy who knows what he's doing, just, you know. Just. And I get it. I get it 100% because A.J. Klein, I'll, he in his limited snap share and when he's been on the field, there's been moments where you're like, why is this guy on the field? But there's also been moments where you're like, okay, like he can be that, like you said, safety net that can get stuff done and get plays done. So I see the, you know, I totally see where you're coming from with that. Corners are going to be fun. Yeah, corners are going to be fun. Um, I... <laughs> I want to put. I'll, I'll give a little hint. I wanted to put Cameron Dantzler on there because you know he's nicknamed the Needle. He was really good with Minnesota, and then he had you know some conflict with Mike Zimmer, and then he got hurt, and then it kind of went into a down a rabbit hole, and it just didn't end well. I still think he could play at a high level, um, but I just didn't put him on there. I still have Trey White. Kair Elam, Dane Jackson, Christian Benford, Teron Johnson. Um, I'm not going to sit here. I mean, I was more co- I was more confident last year in Kair Elam starting across Trey White than I am this year, and I'm still confident that Kair Elam wins the job. I'm just saying from from a standpoint that oh, Kair Elam is the first round pick. You know, no one thought at this time last year that Christian Benford had any chance of making. I mean, he was probably a practice squad guy. Maybe maybe you saw him on a 53 man projection. You know, some sometimes. I just – it's going to be an interesting scenario how that plays out. I think Dane Jackson's just like the Levi Wallace, 
kind of just reliable, can knows the scheme, knows the defense. You can put him out there for some snaps and expect, you know, production. Uh, Chris, I have him in the safety unit for per se. Um, but yeah, Bruce, go ahead. I've got White, Johnson, Jackson, Elam, Benford, Neal. I got the six. The Cam Lewis misses the cut this time around. I have, I, I keep trying to find ways to get Cam Lewis around, but after the Cam Lewis safety experiment didn't quite go the way we wanted it to last year, I just he's every single time I do this, he's man number fifty three, man number fifty four, man number fifty five. When I'm doing these exercises, every single time it's Cam Lewis versus Latavius Murray, or it's Cam Lewis versus you know, AJ Klein, or it's Cam Lewis versus, you know, a, a sixth, a seventh wide receiver every single time. And I just couldn't do it this time after it was, um, after the, you know, you know, that Saran Neal is going to be the special teams guy. You signed Taylor Rapp as your third safety. You have DeMar Hamlin actually coming back. You just, I just don't have room for him. And so for me, the Cam Lewis experiment ends and it ends up being white Johnson, Jackson, Elon Benford, Neal. Yeah, I do have sorry. And Neal on my roster. I just put him with the safeties. Um, so moving on to safety, um, I have four, obviously the one healthy, I think the most, you know, the best safety duo in the league and most underrated still Poyer and Hyde. And then uh, Taylor Rapp, Demar Hamlin. Those are my four. I, I think Taylor Rapp, I mean, he's a guy that, I mean, last year, he, he was not bad at all. Uh, I think he's a really, really good player. He, he's been on a good roster. He had 70 tackles, two interceptions, uh, 76.2 PFF grade. Um, you know, he was he was right up there with Hyde and Poyer um, in, in terms of the pro football focus grade. So I really like Taylor Rapp. I really like the safety room. Rapp also, that one-year $1.7 million deal. Same thing as Damian Harris. If he gets his opportunity, maybe he can re-sign with the Bills or – he can get his money elsewhere and get a bag and, you know, produce at a high level with his opportunity. I think he's going to be more on the field more than people expect. Um, I really do. I think they're, I think they have a lot of things in store for Taylor. I'm excited about him. That's, that's probably one of the most important excited things. You know, I am about this roster is the play of Taylor. I wish Taylor rap was on a two-year deal. That's what I wish. The second we signed Taylor Rapp, I was like, yeah, all right, big fan. I'm really excited about Taylor Rapp. He was on my list of players to sign if Jordan Poyer didn't come back. <laughs> and then Jordan Poyer came back, and then you signed Taylor Rapp anyway. And I went, oh, okay, bonus. That's great. But now Micah Hyde is coming into the last year of his deal. And I think to myself, you got Taylor Rapp, but I really, really wish it was a two-year deal. It would really have just been a, a big boon i think to this team if you knew going into next year that your worst case scenario was you had jordan boyer and taylor rap under contract um people i think are consistently underestimating how important micah hyde is to this team one of the things we didn't talk about last year essentially at all was we wanted to blame leslie frazier for the defense's performances on third and long and i admit that absolutely that's a factor why do you think the defense suddenly became terrible at third and long the same year that Micah Hyde wasn't there? Like it wasn't Frazier was there in 2021 and it wasn't an issue. He was there in 2020 and it wasn't an issue. So let's isolate the variable here, folks. What was different about 2022 that would have caused an issue on third and 10? Perhaps 
your best deep safety, maybe arguably the best deep ball defender in football in Micah Hyde. So third and long, we saw it. And we, I think we misdiagnosed the issue last year as being a Frazier issue when in reality it was a Micah Hyde issue, a lack of Micah Hyde issue specifically. So I am not looking forward to a universe where Micah Hyde is not back there patrolling the deep middle and the deep quarters and the deep halves for this team. And I would feel a lot more comfortable if I had wrap under contract for 2024 and I don't, and I'm, I'm already panicking, AJ. It hasn't happened yet. And I'm already panicking. Do you think they extend? Do you think there's any potential for a high one year extension to, you know, and not send them off? I sure hope so. Together? Yeah. 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 Me too. I mean, he, he's very keeping that. I mean, they're getting older. It's, it's crazy to see. It really is wild to, you know, you sit back in 2017 on the off season, Bean isn't even here yet. And they go get this guy named Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde. And then all of a sudden it's like, it's just crazy how two people that you thought were just, you know, Average signing is kind of part of a rebuild, stuff like that. Um, I had no idea Bruce wasn't like a Hyde fan. Uh, well, you heard it here first. I, I think it was, you know, you can blame Leslie Frazier too for a lot of things, but that whole defense was beat up. Um, that, that The whole defense, there wasn't one game where every starter was on the field. So, I mean, it, it's hard to win games and be consistent on defense when there's always moving pieces and you're losing all pros left and right. It, it's a hard thing to do and overcome. Um. And then moving out of obviously, obviously the special teams unit, I got Tyler Bass, Reed Ferguson, Sam Martin, obviously kicker uh, Tyler Bass cashed in with an extension, which I'm happy for the four-year deal um, worth up to 21 million with 12.3 million uh, guaranteed. He's a, you know, he's been a great kicker for the bills and he hasn't really been asked to do much. I was actually thinking about it today. I was you know taking a walk and like how really, how much pressure has Tyler, Tyler Bass really had on him? Had on him? I'm like, not really many because the Bills and Josh Allen are always scoring touchdowns and they're always, you know, going down the field and scoring. They're not, they're not, you know, settling. It's not the drought era where you're like, oh my God, the kicker, we're, we're at the 35 yard line. This drive is going to stall. And here comes Ryan Lindell or Dan Carpenter, you know, a plethora of the guys we had, uh, uh, Steven Hoshka. So Tyler Bass has been really good. Um, and I think he, you know, great on extra points, which has been a struggle for some kickers. I really like, the uh, special teams unit, Sam Martin, back again. I, I think that worked out the best it could. I don't know what else there is to say about the special teams that you didn't already say. So I think falling backwards into Sam Martin after the scenario that happened last offseason with the Buffalo Bills and Matt Ariza, I think is particularly good fortune. You know, not, not often do you get a chance to just kind of fall backwards into a good punter who comes in and punts well for you. And the Bills did, and I think they were fortunate for that. I agree. Um, I want to end with one more thing just because it happened Friday. It actually happened at Wingnuts, or the day of Wingnuts when uh, Matt and Ryan did their live show. Um, you know, you, everyone should check it out. It's all, every month, it's super fun. You drink beers, eat some good wings. The Bean and uh, McDermott extensions, um, you know, and just kind of how you feel about them. Obviously, I'll start with, with the whole thing. I think Brandon Bean, you can criticize what he's done you know, drafting and, you know, in the high rounds with Kyrie Elam losing the starting job to Christian Benford. And then AJ Epinesa, who hasn't really shown it. There's been some criticism of him. I think he's at my confidence level of how confident I am in him. It's like a 95 out of hundred. Um, that's how, you know, he's one of the best three general managers in football. Um, and then Sean McDermott. I, I don't know. 
I, I think he's a really good coach. I think they faced a lot of adversity last year. I think it's hard to bring a team that went through all that to, you know, a 13 win season and be winning games consistently year in, year out, having great defenses. The problem for me is, you know, they haven't gotten it done in the you know playoffs. And that's, that's kind of the narrative that's been talked about. I don't think it's a hot seat. I, I'm happy they extended him, but I can see, I can see where, you know, Everyone's so happy because Bean and McDermott were the people that ended the drought. And they're they're the, this coaching staff that ended the drought and got the Bills relevant again. The national media talks about them and they're all, you know, all this stuff. But at the same time, it's going to come to this like middle ground where I, the drought and then B, what Bean and McDermott have done after it is going to start to be like, well, are they actually going to get over the hump? Like you live in this kind of like three, four year stretch. We're like, wow, this is awesome. We're in playoff games and we're doing this and that. We're in the prime time and we get the prime time window. I remember like the first season, the Bills got like six prime time games. It was like 2020. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is, and now it's just like, whatever. Like, no one cares about that anymore. So it's going to kind of be, I don't know, a flip narrative. If, the, if this continues to happen, you'd be like, well, yeah, the end of the drought, but what did they actually do? You know, so that's that's the thing I'm concerned about. But I'm, you know, I'm fairly confident with what we have in both being a McDermott and what they've been able to do. So I'm totally okay with the extensions, and we'll see what happens. Time will tell. Want to address a comment from Roy real fast? He said Bass is a 50 percent from 50 plus. Is he not? I could be wrong. Uh, Bass is eight of 13 for his career in 50 plus yard field goals, which is 61 and a half percent. So that's the the Bassomatic from sure. 50 plus. Um, I, I agree with your stance on, on McDermott and being a, a big part of my pod that dropped today was about McDermott and being the hot seat. And specifically the fact that if you tell me that the bills have underperformed relative to the talent they've had and relative to your expectation, I can understand that. If you say that the bills are a really good team who are a Super Bowl contender every year, I can get behind that too. Like the, it doesn't have to be one or the other. Like you can have a coach who is really good and also be disappointed with the team results. But I mentioned this on the pod last week and I said, you know, there are only a handful of teams every year who are actually really capable of winning the Super Bowl. The, the, the fact of the matter is we talk about it all the time and say, oh, well, you know, any given Sunday. Yeah, sure. Any given Sunday, but not any given consecutive Sundays. Right, that, 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 that having a team who is a Super Bowl contender is rare. Those teams don't exist every single year. And if you're in the conversation as being a Super Bowl contender every single year, that's good for me. I, I, I'm good with that, knowing that there's a lot of luck and a lot of ball bouncing that goes into winning a Super Bowl. And for me, I'm I'm good with that. Like I'm I'm good with the the threshold being met as far as you are a Super Bowl contender every year. And that's what I think you have. I don't think this is a playoff contender every year. If this was a playoff contender every year, we would be having a different conversation. I think we would be having a conversation as to whether or not Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean are the regime to get you from playoff contender every year to a meaningful Super Bowl contender. Like, I don't think those are the, the same things. I don't think those are the same. I think there are specific tiers of teams that are playoff contenders and not Super Bowl contenders. I think the, the Pittsburgh Steelers this year are an example of someone who's going to be competing for the playoffs, and they should be expecting to get there, right? But I don't think they're Super Bowl contenders, right? I think you have the, the Detroit Lions, I think for the first time in a really long time, are divisional contenders. 
they're going to contend with the Vikings and the Packers. We'll see how Jordan Love does for AFC North champions. I mean, one of the hot money right now in the NFL is on the Detroit Lions to win their division, which is something you haven't said about the Detroit Lions for a really long time. But that doesn't mean I think they're Super Bowl contenders. The New Orleans Saints with Derek Carr, I think are playoff contenders. I think you can make a run for the AFC, the NFC South with that, but I don't think they're Super Bowl contenders. The only reason that any of those teams would get there is because the NFC is weak, not because they're really good teams. So I think being a Super Bowl contender in a really strong AFC is that's as about as good as you can get. And so for me, I, I'm, I'm content with that, but that doesn't mean that I'm not disappointed when the Buffalo Bills get bounced by the Cincinnati Bengals in the second round of the playoffs. Right, I still am. I don't just go ho hum. Okay, da, da, da. I mean, I kind of do because I don't really get upset about. <laughs> I, I kind of don't really get upset about football. It's not really my thing. So for me, it's you know, I, I think that Roy brings up a good point here. He says, "Haven't we only been playoff contenders lately, or is that a result-oriented statement?" So I think you have to make a delineation between a playoff contender and a Super Bowl contender. So for me, a Super Bowl contender is defined as if you have a team who wins the Super Bowl. The easy lying narrative, the, the easy hanging fruit, right? The low hanging fruit is not going to be, wow, they just came out of nowhere. Holy crap. No one ever expected it. What a Cinderella team. If the Buffalo Bills win the Super Bowl this year, nobody is going to say, wow, nobody saw that coming. Crazy. Wow. What a, what a Cinderella team. What a crazy, crazy year. Nobody just came out of left field. This just team came out of nowhere. Nobody thought they were good enough. You know, quarterback, nobody had ever heard of. Right, coach who hasn't won any games, you know, regime really hasn't had a lot of success. No one's going to say that. The reason that is is because you're a Super Bowl contender. That's what I mean when I say Super Bowl contender. A team where if you won it, the easy narrative is not wow, that's crazy. If the Atlanta Falcons win a Super Bowl this year, the first low hanging fruit, the first story that gets written is holy freaking crap, <laughs> holy mother forking shirt balls right that's the first thing it's going to say is that this is crazy but if the buffalo bills win it, or if the chiefs win it or if the eagles win it or like no one's going to say that that's how you know the super bowl contenders that's my definition of super bowl contender and so if you don't fall in that then by definition you're a super bowl contender and bruce another perfect like playoff contender that now is going through the hot seat is the LA Chargers, Brandon Staley. <laughs> like I think that, that that's like a perfect like yep. that's that was in my mind the whole time you were talking about it is yep. Brandon Staley and the LA Chargers, like playoff contenders. Well, you know, now he's on the hot seat and it's getting hotter and hotter each year and year as they you know blow leads and stuff. So great, great point. Um, you know, I'm gonna wrap up here. Thank you everybody for tuning in. This was a great show. If you're listening on audio, I appreciate it. Please like um and subscribe to this video. Bruce, it's been a pleasure uh talking the Bills roster, a little bit of uh, McDermott and Bean, you know, extension talk, and then talking about the playoff versus Super Bowl contender uh, in, ter in terms of Bruce. Uh, I really appreciate it, and uh, it's been a great show. Please subscribe, like, and I, I will uh, see you guys next week. Bruce, any last words where, you, where we you know where we can find you and stuff like that? Anything cool coming up? If for some reason you listened to me and thought, oh, that's that guy, yeah, definitely want more of him, you can follow me on social media at Bruce Exclusive. My show, The Bruce Exclusive, drops every Thursday on the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network. If you are listening to this show on Thursday night, you could have listened to my show this morning. All righty. And that will do it for Aegis Analysis. Uh, it's your host, Aegis Sabalski, with guest 
Bruce, Nolan, we appreciate it very much, and uh, we will see you later.